It was winter. I walked out the door, hit the top step, wearing a pair of hiking boots, steps were made of metal. Started to walk down and glanced to my left and saw ten or fifteen of the lads studying engineering standing outside the block. Straightened my body up a little bit. I was only twenty, so of course I wanted to look good in front of the guys. And as I straightened my body, shot my shoulders back and put my head up a little bit, the step went from under me. There was ice on it. Down I bounced, every single step on my back. Got to the bottom. Of course the lads were looking now, but not for the reason I wanted them to be looking at me. Bowed my head in shame. Looked at my fingers, saw little bits of blood starting to come from my baby finger. And kept walking out of the college as fast as my legs would carry me. But not so fast that I would possibly fall again. I was ashamed of my life. Incredibly embarrassed. Welcome to the Connected Communication Podcast. This week, I'm talking about shame and embarrassment. I learned something wonderful about how we can reframe our mindset of shame as I was doing a bit of research for the podcast. I didn't actually do a huge amount of research this week because... When I looked in my notes for episode ideas and plans, I realised that I'd actually written this episode just over a year ago. It was initially intended to be my first episode of the podcast, but I didn't post it then. I did a different first episode. Now, as I look back over the past year, I see why. It's funny the way the spiral of life happens and things turn. When I read over the notes that I made for this episode about shame and about embarrassing moments and the comments that I made about having healed and worked hard and things like that, I see that I needed to live this year to get back in cycle to where I am, to where I'm at right now, but also to where I'm at with my clients. And I also see what hasn't changed, what I may have updated a little bit in terms of some of the work that I do but haven't really altered very much at all. You might be wondering what I think or what I mean when I say that. What I'm talking about is my concept of managing and dealing with the shame that can come up in us when we're put on under the spotlight, on the spot, asked to say or do something uh, very quickly without maybe having expected to be asked. This week I was working with one of my clients who experiences this still at work. A very experienced individual, works in, in IT, as do most of my clients, and is very capable, very knowledgeable in terms of, of the, the subject that they work in and in terms of the work that they do. You hear me stalling here and my voice stalling and you're probably thinking, oh, this doesn't sound very prepared. The reason that I'm stalling is because I don't want to use a pronoun, a he or a she, to identify the person. I mean, you as a listener, of course, I know is not necessarily going to be able to identify who they are, but I'm just being very mindful of, of confidentiality. So that's that's the reason for my pausing. 
as I say, this person is a very experienced individual, very capable, high up in their field, and has been working in their industry for a long time. Still, when asked questions in meetings, when suddenly put on the spot, despite being prepared, they can freeze or feel the flush of shame, feel their cheeks go red, feel their palms get a little bit sweaty, a discomfort in their stomach and freeze before being able to answer a question. So we were coaching through this in our session this week. We talked about the goals being to be able to clearly articulate and express a message. But when we looked a little more deeply, it's in fact not just being able to clearly express the message, but be able to regulate and manage the emotion before beginning to clearly express the message. So I talked the person through and did some practice with a concept that I use that's connected to the emotional regulation model that I studied in my coaching training with the Neuroleadership Institute, but that I've adapted a little bit to my own thinking, let's say, adding in a little bit of laughter to it and the feeling of a bit of silliness as well. Because when we get silliness going and we have a little giggle in the brain, we, we reduce the cortisol levels. But before I talk about that, I'd just like to acknowledge you as a listener. If you're a new listener, if you're somebody who's come back and who is consistently following the podcast, I really appreciate you listening. I really appreciate you coming back and, and following and being faithful, let's use that word, to the podcast, to the episodes. If you ever have any questions for me or you want to reach out, please don't hesitate to do so through my social media, through my email address. I would be more than delighted to hear from you. And of course, if there are any topics that you'd like me to discuss or if there are questions that you have that you'd like me to answer on the podcast, I would be more than happy to do so. So please send them to me. So let's go back to what I talked about last year when I wrote this. And I'll share a little bit more of what's come up throughout the year. Last night, in fact, last year at the end of December, I was downloading some old lives that I had done on my Facebook page to repurpose them or to re-record them. And as I was looking at them, I started feeling this dirty shame creep over me. I could hear the voice inside my head, that internal bully that duck that many people call call it, or the, the, the monkey in the brain. Oh, listen to your voice. Oh, look at your face. Oh, look at your hair. Oh, look at the stadium. I can't believe you actually put a video of you looking like that up. It, it's quite incredible when that voice starts to turn in your brain and, you, and we allow it to continue speaking. Have you ever done that? Looked back on something you did or you said that was intended positively at the time that you did it and felt a little blah. Now, when I did this last year, and I've done it many times over the past year and will no doubt continue to do it because that voice is always in our brains. The voice of a teacher, the voice of a cousin, 
the voice of an aunt, the voice of a parent, the voice of a bully at school, the voice even of society that dictates to us that we should be a certain way, look a certain way, have a certain thing before we put ourselves out in public. I could have gone into a spiral of shame. I could have begun psychologically and emotionally abusing myself and continuously abusing myself. I could have deleted the videos, but I didn't. I managed my brain. And over the past year, what I've realised, particularly in the past month or so, as I've had a few different experiences, what I've realised is that I have re-regulated my brain out of post-traumatic stress since having left that relationship at the end of 21, 2021, that if you're a regular listener, you'll have heard me mention before, or if you've seen my TEDx talk or, or heard my content, I realised that I have now come full circle. I wasn't ready actually to post this episode last year. Well, I was as ready as I could have been at that point last year, but I obviously didn't post it because from a universal perspective, from the, the perspective of the stage of my journey that I'm at, I wasn't ready to post it because I needed 2023 to get to where I'm at now. Emotional regulation at a totally different level where I feel finally fully rebalanced again. And funnily enough, I said when I wrote this last year, the night before I downloaded these videos, I'd actually been in London at an event with, uh, I, think, I think it was at an event with Rob Moore. And I'd had a conversation with a young lad who asked my advice on what to do when anxious thinking overtakes him. And we talked through some of what happens in the brain and what happens in the body and how to overcome it in the moment. And what was very nice, actually, was that he confirmed that what I'd said aligned with a, ter a therapist he'd had. Now, I'm not a therapist, but I've had my own journey through therapy and I'm incredibly introspective. So a lot of the work that I do combines neuroscience, positive psychology, self-awareness and, and cognitive behavioural therapy that we can work on, our, on ourselves. As I was reflecting on the conversation the night before, I realised that other people might benefit from seeing this model or these steps in action. And then fast forward to me working with my client this week and sending out the notes. I realised again as I was sending the notes that though I had changed one or two of the words in the steps, I've actually done this model before and in the, the very same way with another client. I think I may have even have written an article about it on LinkedIn. So it got me thinking, as I say, it might be nice to share it. But before I do, I'm going to just talk a little bit about shame from the, the neurobiology perspective. And I'm not going to go into loads of technical stuff here because I don't want to bamboozle your brains. But if you're the listeners that I envision, you are somebody who potentially when asked to speak in English or even to, to just stand up and speak in public or in front of others in a meeting or in front of others at work, possibly sometimes feel 
a spike of shame or a spike of embarrassment. And what we know about shame is that it connects with the autonomic nervous system, so our nervous system, right? That part of the the body that makes us go into calm states or makes us go into fight or flight mode. When we perceive danger, our nervous system, as you've probably heard about, goes into fight, flight or freeze. And some people talk about fawn as well. So basically what happens is the heart rate increases, the blood flows to different muscles that the body and the nervous system believe are required to help keep us safe. So for example, when we get a fright, say fire is suddenly alerted in a building, immediately the flight response is activated, the blood pumps to our legs, giving us more energy to be able to move ourselves out of that situation. We're able to run. But this decreases blood flow to organs in the body and to other parts of the body. And so one part of our body might be excited and the other part might be losing some of that ability to move. So without going into, again, too much complex detail, when we think about shame, the brain actually reacts as if it were facing physical danger. It's really fascinating research, this, that what they've discovered is that when someone is faced with emotional pain, they feel the emotional pain in the same way as physical pain. So when you think about seeing a child that does something silly or foolish and a group of adults begin laughing at the child, you watch that child and watch the child curl up into themselves. Their shoulders will will shrink. Their arms will start to wrap towards themselves. They'll try to make themselves smaller and their expression will become blank. You have a couple of seconds to redirect the thinking in that child's brain before that becomes a burning memory of shame and stops them from ever doing that action again. So keep an eye out for it. But it's the same in an adult. If an adult has had a moment like that throughout their lives where the response around them or something has happened to them that has or something has happened to them that triggered a feeling of shame, the same response that happened to them as a child will be triggered in them as an adult. It may even happen have happened as an adult, in fact. You may have had, for instance, at the beginning of your career or at some time in university, a very embarrassing moment, <laughs> like falling down the stairs, but it's not quite the same where a lecturer or a teacher or somebody whom, for whom you had a lot of respect disrespected you in front of others or caused you to feel, well, it can't cause you to feel anything, you feel it, but the environment or the situation resulted in a feeling of shame inside you. That will m- move forwards with you in your life as you go into other jobs, other aspects of your career even with your family. And so the response will indicate the next time you're put into a position of potential shame or embarrassment. If it is the flight response, like I said, you might shrink and try to become invisible. If it's the fight response, you might become verbal 
and become aggressive towards the person who embarrassed you, trying to cause them to feel equal shame because that will take the burn off you a little bit. For people who've experienced trauma, trauma where they felt trapped or they felt powerless, often it will be the freeze response. So basically, you're talking there about something that allows you to survive in a situation where intolerable things are happening to you. So if you think about victims of sexual abuse, for example, in many cases, that's something incredibly intolerable. And it's so difficult for the body to to accept, for the brain and the mind to accept as having happened. The freeze response happens, so it it becomes tolerable inside the body. What also happens there, though, is that we're not able to think clearly. It, uh, it makes us believe that we are stuck and that we have no power to get out. And we can also begin to start blaming ourselves. So we might start going back to what I was talking about a couple of moments ago, being negative towards ourselves, telling ourselves that we're the problem, that we're to blame for something that happened in a meeting for something that happened in a presentation, for a, an incorrect figure, for a failure to achieve certain goals, when actually it's not us and we don't need to take it personally. So all of these different reactions can happen. We can have fight, flight or freeze when shame hits and it's affecting our nervous system. That limbic response in what we call the amygdala what, what, what we call, what is called the amygdala by neuroscientists. Putting alarm bells off in our brains and disconnecting our rational analytical brain, making us incapable of a rational response. We need a technique to be able to deal with it, to help ourselves to overcome this shame. Now, I'm not claiming to be an expert on shame here, and I will always say to you, do exactly the same as I do. Whatever I talk about, whatever you hear me mention, research it for yourself, understand it for yourself and how it applies to you and your life experience. Get at least three different opinions or read three different papers or, 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 or look for information in at least three different areas so that you can understand this for yourself. But I talk about these things from my own experience, I have worked through enough for myself with enough experts. I've done enough, not enough. I'll never have done enough training. I'm always going to continue training. But I've done enough for me to feel confident in what I talk about and what I'm sharing here with you. Shame is deeply ingrained, deeply, so deeply ingrained, in fact, that it doesn't just go back generations. It goes back epigenerations. <laughs> when we think of epigenetics, it's, it's deeply ingrained in our nervous systems. It's a part of the planet, in fact, shame now, and it will protect itself. So we have to be very careful about how we deal with it and how we work with it. It's important to make sure that we do it in a safe way and in a safe space for ourselves. 
But with this model, I'm going to call it a model. I've said model a couple of times now. Maybe it's not a model. It's a technique that I use. We are able to break through shame quite quickly in the moment. I'm not saying that it fixes it. I'm not saying that it deals with the symptoms and goes down right to the, the cause. But in the moment, it allows us to step ourselves out of the feeling of shame and work through it so that we can respond. There are actually two different ways that I put it together now. So I'm going to give you both of them, but they both have the same overarching title. What I want you to do, listener, if you feel the stab of shame when somebody asks you a question, when you make a mistake with a word, or you notice a grammatical mistake that you make, or you fall down a flight of stairs in front of a group of hot young engineers who are studying, or you trip, or you do something that causes that burn to come in your cheeks. Be more pirate. Yes, you heard me right. Be more pirate. Have you ever seen the movie Dodgeball? If you have not seen the movie Dodgeball, and, and you're okay with a very silly, funny movie, watch it. Vince Vaughn is one of my favourites, and Ben Stiller, of course. But it's such a brilliant movie. In the movie, there's a guy called Steve, and Steve is a pirate. Arr. And he dresses up and fully goes around the place like a pirate. So I want you to be more Steve in that moment. Now, I'm not suggesting you're in the middle of a meeting with executives and saying, when someone put, asks you a question and you feel the stab of shame, Arr, let me answer that question for you. But in your head, say R. First of all, what that's going to do is make you giggle. And like I mentioned at the beginning of the episode, it's a brain trick. It's something that will spike a little bit of dopamine in your brain. And the result of spiking the bit of dopamine in your brain, the little giggle that you create inside for yourself, allows you to reconnect the emotional and the decision-making parts of your brain. So you, you, you start to calm the amygdala down, the alarm bell, and you lower the threat level so that you can better manage your thinking. The prefrontal cortex, the small part of your brain at the front that makes all those decisions and is analytical, is able to reconnect with that emotional part of your brain. So, R. First of all, R. I'm doing it again. Be more pirate. And then apply the R. It's not for nothing. The A-A-R-R -R have words attached to them. Acknowledge. What's happening? I'm doing it again. Yes, this is happening. It's okay. Where am I? R. Acknowledge. Acknowledge the feeling. R. Accept the feeling that you acknowledge. R. Reflect on the feeling. R. Reframe the feeling. Let's do an example. We go back to what I said about how I was feeling just a little over a year ago, that night when I was downloading my old lives. 
and the words that I was saying to myself, oh, listen to your voice, look at your face, look at your hair. And I stopped myself going into that spiral of shame. Stopped myself, psychologically and emotionally abusing myself. I stopped myself from deleting the videos. I managed my brain. And in the same vein, with at least five of my clients over the past year, I have done this exact same process to help them in moments where they feel personally attacked by a manager, where they feel put under the, the spotlight or put on the spot and the spike of shame hits them. I've done the same thing. We work through it. R. Appraise. What's happening? What's that feeling? Where's that feeling coming from? So for me, it was, what's that feeling? Oh, I'm feeling shame and embarrassment. What's going on? Ugh, it's making me say nasty things to myself. It's making me really negative. Where's that coming from? Hmm. I'm not sure right now where that's coming from. Societal need to look beautiful, to look pretty. Oh, I know where it's coming from. It's coming from all those years ago when I, when I was really overweight and I didn't actually see and notice that I was really overweight and then one day I saw that picture of myself and I felt really embarrassed at the fact that I had let myself get into that state without properly acknowledging it. Okay, so I'm feeling shame and embarrassment. Hmm. A. Accept it. All right, I accept it. That's it. It's grand. It's there. I accept my emotions as they are. Now, in that moment when I accept those emotions after having labelled them, I've calmed my amygdala, amygdala down. Neuroscience research has shown that when we put a word on a feeling, we remove the power from the feeling. Now, I think I've said this before on the podcast. I may even have talked about being more pirate before. And again, I could go into a spiral of, Christine, if you've talked about this before, you shouldn't be releasing it again. But you know what? It's important. And if you can be more pirate and get this into your brain for this year, and it allows you to manage your emotions and, and feel more confident and comfortable in situations where before you might have felt ashamed, I don't mind that I've said it twice. But that moment where we label the emotion, we only give it a name, just one label, and then we move on. We don't start analysing it. So, I was feeling shame and embarrassment. Okay, that's grand. It's there. That's my emotion. I accept it. Er, now we enter the R part. Reflect. Am I there now? Am I in that situation now? Am I the same now? Am I safe? Are the thoughts I'm having right now true? Do I believe them? What is true? And then the final R, reframe. And the truth is, when I think about me and, and this mindset that I was in then, the truth is that I did my best, the best that I could with the mindset and the health that I had at the time. The truth is that other, others' judgments of me are theirs to own. The truth is that I was extremely unwell then and I look and sound as I did because of that. The truth is that I did it. Even though I was so sick, even though I was unwell, because I cared so much about what I do and the people I wanted to serve. 
The truth is, I haven't given up. The truth is, I put myself first and I got myself well again. The truth is, I can make the videos again if I absolutely have to. I can also use the old ones as evidence of how far we can come when we put one foot in front of the other. Paso a paso, como hablamos en el camino. As we say on the Camino, step by step, bravely and courageously, even when we're filled with fear. And we can gift ourselves with the time we need to heal. And the truth is that every time I say the truth is, and I follow it with a positive affirmation and a positive reminder of all the good that I have done and all of the things that I have achieved, I empower myself, I lift myself up, and you can too. The truth is, and new research that I just read about today is, is demonstrating this as well, that the stories we tell ourselves can shift the perspective and the mindset that we have. Now, I'm not saying that somebody who has experienced and is experiencing severe emotional and physical trauma is going to be able to do this in the same way. And I'm going to have to make a comment now because dogs have begun barking outside. And as an independent podcast producer, I have to produce my podcast where I can produce my podcast right now. So if there are dogs in the background, listener, and we haven't been able to scrub them out from the background sounds, may you enjoy the chorus of dogs that are harmonising my words <laughs> as I speak. Authenticity, buzzword, but there it is, 101 for you. What can you do? They love dogs in Spain. The truth is that every time you say the truth is and you follow it with something positive, you can reframe your thinking, you can change your script. And as I said, I acknowledge that there are many people out there who can't do this, whose stories and experiences are very different and who need to get other types of help. And I do encourage you to do that. It's incredibly important and you matter. No matter what has happened to you, what has happened for you, what experience you have had, how old you are, you matter. And it likely wasn't your fault. And you can be more pirate if you want to. Arr. wonder is there a female word for pirate? No, random stage of thinking there. We won't go down that rabbit hole, though I'm probably going to go and research it now. So women weren't even allowed on pirate ships back in the, in the days then, weren't they not? We were bad luck. Okay, big deep breath, Christine. I won't start talking about that now, listener. Well, you never know. Maybe I'll follow up with a pirate episode later on. At the beginning of the episode today, I mentioned something really cool that I learned about shame as I was doing a bit of research for this episode. And it is my absolute pleasure and joy to bring this to you now because if there were ever a way to flip the script on shame and thinking about the meaning of shame, it's this. Shame in many nations means disgrace, humiliation, discredit, pity, 
misfortune it's in Ireland. Like I said at the beginning with my phrases, oh, I was ashamed of my life. I bowed my head in shame. But in South Africa, shame is used to express sentimental pleasure. How class is this? So, as I say, I looked it up and I found a brilliant article on Reddit from an Irish person, in fact, who's getting married, an Irish guy, I'm presuming, who's getting married, or at the time he wrote the article, it was getting married to an Afrikaans woman. And he said that he was, when he first met her mother, his now mother-in-law, probably, if they still got married after he wrote the article, uh, he, he heard this use of shame the first time when he met her. He was telling her about his father, who had recently had another child with his long-term partner, and the child was 20 years his junior. Very interesting, in fact, almost the same story as me. My dad had Patrick when I was 17. And so anyway, this fellow was explaining to his mother-in-law about his dad and the, the young child. And the mother-in-law looked at the picture and she said, uh, oh, yeah, she was looking at the picture of the baby. And as she was looking at it, she went, oh, shame. And he thought it meant shame on your dad for having a second family. But in fact, what she was saying was the same as what we might say. Oh, look, isn't he cute? It means the same thing. So if I showed you, I would say my friend Roberta, right? I'd show R Roberta, who's from South Africa, a picture of my new dog. Because for me, when I look at puppy dogs, I say, oh, more than I do when I see babies. Different story for a different day. But say I, so I show Roberta the picture of my new puppy and Roberta looks and goes, oh, shame, it's so cute. So, if we want to, world or listener, we can take the word shame and we can adapt it to mean the South African meaning. That it's really something very cute. On further research, I've actually discovered that they have maybe eight other uses for shame. It's kind of like a commentary term that they use for almost anything, it seems, in South Africa. I can't corroborate that for absolute certain, but I have started following a girl on YouTube who shared a video about it. I might put the link actually in the show notes so you can go and look at it. And potentially, maybe if I reach out to her, she'll come onto the podcast and give us some more wonderfully positive ways to take the negative terms of standard British English and make them beautifully positive. So shame, lads. Aren't you all just wonderful? I have no idea if I used it correctly. But I love that use of the word shame. And remember, the next time you're feeling the other type of shame, when you're in a meeting and you feel the sting and you need to regulate your emotions, to first be more pirate and say, Arr, I'm doing it again. Giggle inside your head, appraise, acknowledge, accept, reflect, and reframe. And all the time, Take deep breaths. Remind yourself the truth about your greatness. If you've enjoyed the podcast, please 
put a comment on it on Spotify. I, th- I think this new thing comes up now where it says, did you enjoy the episode? And if you did, you can write in and say whether you enjoyed it or not. I'd really appreciate if you telling me that you did. If you didn't, maybe email me privately instead of telling Spotify you didn't. Please share it. Please like it. Please follow the podcast. Press the star. Give me a review if you're listening on Apple. It really does help to boost the ratings. And I'm only a wee one. Podcasting with my wee Irish accent out of my wee apartment in Spain. So your listenership and your support is very, very welcome. It is accepted with the most, uh, the utmost gratitude. And anything you can do to help to boost the show and, and getting people listen, it, it, it's a really great honour for me. Until next time, Gaji and Cave Urana, Banati, August Buekas, Shane. Thank you.